Let me welcome you to this Easter podcast. I'm Joe Cheerhart, Pastor Joe Cheerhart from Hillside Church in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. You know, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus today, the major news, of course, is still this deadly pandemic that is affecting much of the world. Regular life for so many people has been very disruptive. We're talking about jobs, school, church, recreation, weddings, graduations, etc. There's lots of sickness, of course. That's what it's all about. Even many deaths. It's enough to cause despair, isn't it? In some ways, we're seeing a lot of bravery and heroism and individuals boldly stepping forward to lead, help, and even sacrifice. In other instances, we see people dividing, attacking, criticizing, complaining, even some who will buy up certain items to sell them for inflated prices, trying to take advantage in a bad way in these desperate times. But you know, as I'm looking at the resurrection account in the Bible, I see similar things. We think of the resurrection story as one of a smashing victory, and it really is, isn't it? But we may forget how much bad was going on at the exact same time. As we look at this passage today in the Gospel of Matthew, consider how much bad and evil had to be overcome to attain the victory. We have seen this ongoing battle between Jesus, who is God's faithful and deeply loved son, and the Jewish religious leaders who were much more concerned about retaining the power and control they had established over the years. Jesus was a very serious threat to the religious leader's authority and prominence. His message of God's love for all and his obvious humility and willingness to sacrifice for others placed him on a whole different level than the religious teachers. But as we come to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, the Jewish religious leaders seem to be winning the battle. After trying for many months to find a way to get rid of Jesus, they enlist a mob with clubs and spears to capture him in the Garden of Gethsemane when only his disciples are with him. Judas, of course, is the one who made that possible. They take Jesus before the Jewish and Roman authorities and finally convince the Roman governor to execute him by crucifixion. Crucifixion is often said to be the most horrific form of execution. After the crucifixion, a wealthy member of the Sanhedrin, who did not vote to have Jesus executed, his name was Joseph of Arimathea, he asked Pilate for permission to bury the body of Jesus. And upon receiving permission, he placed Jesus' body in his own unused tomb, a new tomb. He rolled a big stone in front of its entrance and then went away. Two of the women who were following, you know, had followed all the, the things that were happening to Jesus during those days, they saw where Jesus' body had been entombed. Now, from all appearances, Jesus' enemies had won the battle. They wanted him gone and out of the way, in other words, dead. They did not have the freedom to execute him themselves. But in spite of having no legitimate charges against him or any evidence of criminal activity, 
they were able to convince the Roman authorities to kill him. So really quite a victory from their point of view. But guess what? They were not even finished yet. They thought of a way to seal the victory, to put their victory over Jesus beyond question. And so, listen to, listen as I read from Matthew chapter 27, verses 62 through 66. It says, the next day, the one after the preparation day, and that would make it the Sabbath day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, the disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. So a seal on the entrance to the tomb would identify the tomb as government property or usage and would have to be broken for someone to enter. And then, of course, they also posted a guard. So there, the victory over Jesus was complete. His dead body is in the tomb, and they have taken precautions against anyone trying to fake a false resurrection. Now I'm going to read the first ten verses of Matthew 28. Verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now in these next three verses we're going to have a description of what happened before the women arrived at the tomb. This is what they found when they got there. Verses 2 through 4. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Now, those three verses, two through four, are highlighting the power connected to this angel's coming. The whole, the the three verses all speak of power, the power of heaven. The angel's coming shook the earth violently. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes bright white, like blindingly bright. The guards fainted when they saw him. He moved that huge stone that covered the entrance to the tomb, and it says that he sat on it. Now, did he sit on it because he needed a rest? Not quite. That stone was a conquered foe. It's like putting your foot on the neck of a defeated opponent. And can you imagine what happened to the seal that was placed on the stone to secure it? Or a seal is often put on something to detect if someone had tried to enter the tomb. Put on the stone to see if someone had tried to enter the tomb. Can you picture an investigative team looking at the entrance and concluding, 
well, it looks like somebody did try to enter the tomb. <laughs> I'm just, I'm joking here. My point here is that the enemies of Jesus did everything they could think of to defeat him, giving the extra miles or going the extra miles to make sure no one could claim a resurrection. But when God decides it is time to act, it's over for any opposition. That tomb was wide open. The stone was lying flat, and the guards had scattered. Now look at these next three verses, five through seven, as this angel speaks to the women. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. <clears throat> okay, that's the victory announcement. He is risen, just as he said. Go tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. I have delivered the message I was told to deliver. But wait a minute. What is this thing about Galilee? Do you remember anything about Galilee? Well, neither did the disciples. But at the Last Supper, Jesus told his disciples that he was going to be betrayed, that he would be arrested and crucified and how they would all desert him, and even how Peter would deny him three times. And then he said, But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But you know what? Nobody remembered Galilee. Because you see, after he died, nobody was really even thinking of the resurrection. So as the angel tells the women to tell the disciples to meet Jesus in Galilee, he is basically saying, come on now, everything is going according to plan. Jesus told you to meet him in Galilee, and he's still saying the same thing. The disciples thought the plan had been canceled. They were hiding in the upper room. The two disciples walking to Emmaus who who met with Jesus and didn't know it was Jesus, they said, we had hoped this Jesus of Nazareth was the one to redeem Israel. See, his death had left them all hopeless. But the angel is saying, he is going to meet you in Galilee. Tell his disciples. That means the plan is going on just like it always had been. Just as Jesus predicted, nothing ever changed. Now look at verses 8 through 10. Jesus gives these women an extra shot in the arm. <clears throat> so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Well, here we go again. 
the Galilee meeting is still on the calendar. It never got canceled. The crucifixion was a key part of the plan. But you see, the disciples totally forgot about Galilee because they didn't really keep the faith in a sense. Of course, who would after watching Jesus brutally murdered? And did those guards even have a slight chance of making certain the stone did not get moved? Not hardly. Not if God was behind the movement. Nobody can stop God's plans, can they? Not even death. Not even an immovable stone with armed guards. And so, hey, why aren't you all in Galilee? That's where I said we'd meet. But guess what? The enemies of Jesus still are not finished. They are still going to try to claim victory out of this horrible defeat. How so? By using deceit. These are religious leaders full of hypocrisy, manipulation, corruption, and deceit. But look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 11 through 15. This is how the, the uh, religious leaders respond. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. <clears throat> you see, their goal has never been to discover the truth, has it? It has always been to retain power. And they would even reject the Messiah, the very Messiah and the coming kingdom of God to retain their earthly prominence and power. But it is a losing cause, isn't it? No one, no matter how powerful, is going to stop God's plan. And so now we look at our last verses to see the victory statement. And it doesn't come from the earthly powerful who will do anything to keep control. It comes from the one who devoted himself to carry out the will of the Father. Look at Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, what that is saying there, as they saw him from a distance, you know, some were not quite convinced yet, and they had to see him close up to really take it all in. Others saw him right away and were ready to worship. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. <clears throat> Their goal has never been to discover the truth. And so they just keep 
acting according to their goal. Because of Jesus' complete obedience to the Father, his Father now has handed over all authority to him. Therefore, with that authority, Jesus is authorizing or commissioning his disciples to take his message to every nation on earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and salvation rests in Christ alone. And all who come to him in true faith will inherit his eternal kingdom. Now, let me end where this began. We have just read through the greatest victory that has ever been won against the strongest enemy there has ever been. Against the greatest odds, Jesus Christ has defeated death and the devil through lies, cheating, corruption, and even wrongful death. He now has been given all authority over heaven and earth because he has completed the will of the Father for his life. He has accepted the challenge that his Father gave him to come down and to spread the word of God, to give the gospel message, to be the, the Redeemer, to be the sacrifice for sins. Anyone who comes to Christ in repentance of their sins to receive forgiveness becomes a part of his winning team. But we saw how his victory was not easy. He had powerful forces working against him at every turn. But at every turn, truth won out. There were times when it looked like it didn't. There were times it looked like it was a complete loss. But at every turn, truth won out. When we join his team through repentance and faith, we share in his victory. But, like Jesus, we will also have opposition and trials. You know, right now we are facing a big trial, aren't we? Who knows where it will end up? So many people have lost jobs. People have lost loved ones. <clears throat> people are losing money. But we stay true to Christ. We may face hardships. We may uh, face loss, mistreatment, injustice, suffering. But Jesus Christ always wins in the end. He is the victor. We must keep our eyes on Galilee, no matter how impossible it looks. The disciples, you know, if somebody would have said Galilee to them, they would not even have remembered what it was about. And what are you talking about? But Jesus was saying, look, come on, I told you. Let's meet. If God has promised it, it will happen. We just need to walk in faith. And so today, you know, we are saddened in a sense that we cannot celebrate Easter with our church families this year. And Sometimes we may even be worried about government authorities telling us that we aren't allowed to meet in groups, especially when they keep us out of our churches. But in Christ, we are definitely on the winning side. Even when the victory looks totally out of reach, God is going to get the victory. There is no doubt. You never have to worry about the end result. So don't leave the good team. 
Don't give up on that meeting in Galilee. Wherever Christ tells us to meet him, be there. And he will share his eternal kingdom victory with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the ultimate victory. Thank you, Jesus, for being faithful to the end. And may we learn your faithfulness. And may we cling to you during all kinds of trials and mistreatments and suffering so that we can be with you in the coming kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.